I'm Jay. I'm the lead pastor. So glad to have you here. Uh, if you're new with us, um, we're, uh, we're just excited for you to be here today um, with us. And uh, for those of you watching online, I do want to say hi to Tina. And I want to say hi to uh, Kathy and, and Brittany and Renee and Akron and Dan and Lark, some people that are just part of our online church family that join us all the time and just want to include and say welcome. And we're glad that you're here because we do have an extended church family that's online as well. And so I just want to say hi to all of them and hello to all of you as we uh, start a new series today called He Gets Us. And as you saw that ad uh, that was there, that actually is an ad. If you haven't seen them on TV yet, maybe you've seen a few of them. Uh, I know I've seen them uh, quite a bit. Um, they seem to pop up on YouTube a lot, which is kind of cool. But, um, but this is actually part of a campaign that is trying to do just this in terms of uh, speaking to people in, in terms of where they are about Jesus and, and letting them know the fact that Jesus gets us, that he understands us. Uh, and it's amazing because it's actually a $100 million uh, campaign that's been invested by religious organizations, really reputable ones and, and churches that, um, that are wanting to really get the simplicity of the message of Jesus out to a world uh, that, that needs it. It's designed to really create the cultural change in terms of the way we think about Jesus. Because the way people think about Jesus, it's, it's usually related um, to the way that they think about his followers. Sometimes that's a really good measuring stick. Sometimes it's not the greatest, if we're gonna be honest. Um, but that seems to be the measuring stick that most people use when they're on a journey of faith. And the way people think about Jesus, his relevance in our life, his relevance to us, that's really changed in the last 30 to 50 years, quite a bit if you think about it. Uh, Jesus is not some irrelevant historical figure that a lot of people uh, think that he is, that he doesn't relate to us because he lived 2,000 years ago. Uh, that's not the case. He's actually experienced every human frailty and vulnerability that you and I have felt. He is for everyone, and he has the answers to life's most pressing problems. And so I want to look at Jesus on a very personal and individual level, maybe in a way that you never have before, but I believe that, that this is one of the aspects to the faith that, uh, that's missing from a lot of people's lives today. The personal nature of Jesus. And, and, and it's an aspect that we as the church need to really be reminded of as well if we're going to uh, really reach our community. But if you're here and, and you're on a journey of faith and maybe it was just a really big ask for you to walk in the door today, I want you to hear about Jesus that is the, the, the Jesus that's here for you, that's not just some historical figure that's irrelevant to you today. Um, in fact, it's quite the opposite because Jesus came to show, not just tell. And if you match his words with his actions, you might be surprised at what you find. Whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're going through, Jesus faced it too. He understands it. He gets us. He truly does. You know, Jesus shook things up quite a bit. He shook things up. When, when he was walking this earth, no matter what you believe about him, his life had actually kind of split history in two, if you think about it, the years coming before him, B.C., and the 2,000 years plus since him. And if you've wondered why it should matter that this guy that lived 2,000 years ago on the other side of the earth, why that matters to you, what difference does that make to you? You know what, I think that's a really good question. 
And I, and I think there's a lot of people asking that question. In Jesus' day, he was accused a lot of doing the wrong things. He was criticized a lot. We just finished a series called Criticizing Jesus where we looked at a lot of the criticisms of Jesus over the course of his ministry and the way in which he responded to those and the fact that he was criticized virtually every page of the Gospels. He hung out with the wrong people. He went to the wrong places. People feared him because he challenged the norm. He shook things up. But if you look closely at Jesus, you'll see that he was fearless, he was vulnerable, and he was compassionate. He was fearless in that he would never back down from doing what is right. He was vulnerable in, in that he would allow people, and still does, allow us to get close to him and to know him. And he's compassionate, meaning he wants to enter into your pain with you and walk through that with you. And it's meaningful for us today in the world in which we live too because Jesus lived in a very mean-spirited and, and divisive world just like ours is today. Long before COVID, there was fear of contagions and diseases and all those kinds of things, even in his day. But he stepped into people's space and, and he brought anxious people, he brought them comfort to the sick, he brought healing. And it was everyone that was around him, it was, they were welcomed in, they felt joyful by being around him. There's been a clear spike in anxiety and depression in our culture, especially over the last couple of years in the wake of a global pandemic. And last week, if, if you remember, I talked about an app called Calm, where people are actually paying to find rest and freedom from anxiety because it's a monthly subscription. And people are looking for everything and anything that they can do uh, to find relief and to find freedom from anxiety and from stress. And there are a few events in modern history that have provoked the, uh, the idea of stress and anxiety in, in such, an, such a huge way. The World Health Organization has actually um, estimated that the pandemic has caused a 25% increase in anxiety within the first year of COVID-19 quarantine measures. And you're probably like, duh. Um, but our world needs an answer to this. Our world needs an answer to anxiety and stress that has spread through all of us. But Jesus, he understands this. He's gone before us. He's confronted this. He's, he's gone through it and he's conquered it. And for us to really understand that and lean into that because we all go through anxiety and worry. We all face it in some way, shape, or form. Anxiety is a part of our life. Worry is a part of our life. We all experience it and he understands when it comes to that. When it comes to worry and anxiety, he gets it and he gets us. We get anxious and we freak out about the future and we fret and get depressed about uh, the things that have happened in the past. But we all know that being anxious doesn't help. I'm not like blowing your mind when I say that, that being anxious doesn't help. And there's a lot of answers that are offered for it. But here's a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. Think about that. That really resonates with me quite a bit. Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. There's nothing you can do about the things that are gonna happen tomorrow. Like they are what they are. They're gonna happen. And we know that. But if you really think about what it does to us, it empties today of its strength. It pulls you away. The word worry actually comes from the Anglo-Saxon word that actually means to strangle. Think about that. Worry actually means to strangle. 
I think we get that. The New Testament, the word for anxiety and, and worry, it comes from a word that means to divide. To divide. And, and, and that's what worry does, doesn't it? It divides. It divides our attention. It divides our emotions. It divides our decisions. But Jesus never sinned. But he did get anxious. He did get anxious. And he did get stressed out. Just like us. And he shows us that there is a better way than to continue to deal with that. See, anxiety, it can either be a normal human response or it can take us into sin. It can either be a normal human response or it can take us into sin. It's something that we all face. But Jesus told us not to be anxious. And Paul said the same thing in Matthew chapter six. Jesus says this. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Right? Like we, we can understand this idea. In some ways it's easier said than done though. And then Paul in Philippians chapter four, he actually gives us a, a, a bit of a strategy here. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So he gives us a bit of a strategy, a way to combat it is with prayer. But anxiety, it's far more complicated than we'd like to think. Sometimes people get, get, the, get this feeling of, of painting themselves as being sinful or, or wrong. And there's a degree of truth to that because if we take worry and anxiety to the nth degree, we're really taking it out of God's hands and, and we're, we're, we're removing that from God and taking responsibility he never intended us to have. And so we can move into that place, but, but it's not quite that simple, is it? A lot of people are just a realist about it. Hey, this is what it is. But it's not that simple. Anxiety and stress, it's, it's, it's mixed. Matthew 6, 33 says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. This is Jesus talking. Also giving a, a, a bit of a strategy for handling this. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen to that. So if you reverse engineer this, right? He's saying, seek first the kingdom of God because these things that you're worried about now, if you're focusing on the kingdom of God, things get put into perspective before you even get to that place. See, when we let our minds drift instead of focusing on him that's when we get to this place of worry and anxiety and all of that anxiety has a much tougher time of taking over when we're focused on what Jesus wants us to do when we're focused on his kingdom and if we let it take over if we let it take over our mind and our heart one of two things will happen to our relationship with God it can either push us from God or it can either push us to God Anxiety in, in many ways can pull us away, and, or at least that's our reaction. We, we pull away from God, or we can lean in and draw in closer to God. That was what Jesus chose to do. And so we should learn from him as well. In Matthew 14, verse, uh, verse 13, it says, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. We see the emphasis that Jesus puts on spending alone time with his father. 
on spending time in prayer with his father. In Luke 5, 16, Jesus says, it says that he often did this, that he drew away to, to solitary prayer often. It was his practice to spend time alone with his father. When he heard the news of John the Baptist being killed, who was his cousin, his first response, what did he do? He spent time alone with his father in prayer. He drew back into a time of prayer. This was Jesus' way of dealing with stress and anxiety. And we should learn from it. And we should develop these habits as well. This should be a part of, of who we are. We should be a person of prayer. Prayer shouldn't be what you do. It should be a way to define who you are. You may not be going through a time of anxiety and stress right now. Maybe not at all. Maybe you walked in here like, good, awesome, that's great. But you will. You definitely will. So developing a good habit of prayer and a prayer life and time with God, that's gonna prepare you for those times. And if you're going through it right now, if you did walk in here carrying a big bundle of junk and a backpack of garbage, let me tell you, Jesus is there for you and he gets it. But let me also ask you this question. How is your prayer life? How is your prayer life? Max Lucado said this, no one can pray and worry at the same time. Think about it. No one can pray and worry at the same time. When we're, when we're in that moment of prayer and, and communication and communion with God and the Holy Spirit is talking to us, doesn't it just put things in perspective in a way that nothing else can? Don't you think there's a reason for that? See, it's a good thing to have alone time with God. Absolutely, it should be a part of our practice. It should be a spiritual practice that we develop as like this is my prayer time with the Lord and I have that every single day. At the same time, isolation, that's different. That's different than, than having some specific alone time with, the God, with, with God. Isolation is never a good place to be when we battle anxiety. But a lot of times, we fall into that as well. And the pandemic helped. It helped us to be able to find a way to be uh, isolated. But God's given us camaraderie, and God's given us the church to battle that, friends and family, to walk through hard times with us. Sometimes people in Scripture, they had to stand alone. There are plenty of times in Scripture where people of God had to stand alone in that moment, no doubt. But most of the time, if not all of the time, even before that moment and maybe after, they had someone there to help them. They had someone there to walk through with them to that moment. Moses had Aaron Moses had Aaron, yes, he had to stand alone a few times, no doubt about it, but he had Aaron to walk with him to those, to those times. David, he had Jonathan, and he also had uh, his men that were part of, of, of their band, of what they were doing and, and through, the, uh, through the military stuff that he was going through. Jesus, he had the 12. He had the 12 disciples, and, and he had the, the three, an inner circle of three out of those 12. See, anxiety can either be met in community or isolation. When we're feeling stress and anxiety, we can either isolate or we can lean into our community and to our church family and to those that God has put around us. There's this ever-growing need for people who are in the middle of isolation 
who are feeling lonely in today, in today's day and age, that, that is, has really been compounded by the pandemic. Harvard did a, a, a survey that's called Making Caring Common, the Making Caring, Caring Common Project. That is hard to say. And here's what they found. 36% of respondents reported serious loneliness, feeling lonely frequently or almost all of the time or all the time. There is a pandemic of loneliness happening right now. And it's even worse for the young adult population. They've actually seen a 43% increase in loneliness since the beginning of the pandemic. 63% are actually experiencing significant symptoms of anxiety and depression more broadly, according to this same study. Significant. Just in the last couple of years. See, when we face anxiety, it's clear that many people in our society are choosing to fall into isolation instead of leaning into community. And there's various reasons for that. But you know what? Our calling as Christians, our calling as the church, is to extend the invitation of Jesus to join in community as the church. Isn't it interesting that the entity of the church seems to have, at least in some way, shape, or form, an answer to battle some of these things that are going on right now, just in the structure, in the way that the church was designed and created to be. How ironic that God may have actually thought through some of these things before we landed into the battles that we're in. But if we're not leaning into the way in which we're designed to be as the church, then of course people are going to start feeling lonely if we're just worried about us for and no more. That's not what connecting people to Christ, community, and purpose is all about. That's what we need to be all about as the church and as Connect Church. You know, Jesus spent a lot of time alone with his father, absolutely. But even in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he went off to pray before he was going to be arrested and tried and crucified, he went off to the garden to pray. And he was in deep pain, deep anguish. And you know what he did? He brought his boys with him. He brought the disciples with him to be there, to support him, because he knew he needed support. He wanted support in that time. Look at Matthew 26, 37 through 39. It says, He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. This is Jesus. For those of you that think that he's just this, that he was just this ethereal guy who just walked, you know, just floated around all the time, like he was a 100% man and went through pain and stress and anxiety just like you and me, but he never sinned. So look at this. Tell me if you, if you feel this right here sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Have you ever felt that? That amount of stress to where you're maybe literally physically falling to your face before God and going, I don't know what to do with this. And you don't even necessarily know what to pray, but God, just take this from me. I don't even know what to do with this, but I'm gonna follow your will. There's the difference. But I'm gonna follow your will, God, in all of these things. The depth of Jesus' anguish and anxiety here, it is real. The struggle was real. And I know you've felt that way before. Jesus gets it. 
He didn't want to go through this moment alone and he knew that that wasn't the best for the situation. Jesus knew that. Look at what it says in Luke about his stress level. In verse 44 in chapter 22, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. That's stress, y'all. Medically, I can tell you that. Like that is... That's stress to the nth degree, like you've probably never experienced, or maybe you have, or you feel that. Jesus gets it. If you read, though, and you keep reading, you see that his disciples that he brought along with him, they start falling asleep. They couldn't even hang there with him the whole time. Jesus recognized the need for relationships and for community, but even they were falling asleep on him. Even they failed him. Even his closest friends failed them in those times and you know endless worry endless anxiousness it, it really gives us two choices we can either continue the struggle and continue to struggle on or we can lean into surrender we can struggle and struggle and struggle and, and keep looking for a solution and keep looking for a solution our way more depression, more anxiety, searching for something, anything to take the pain away, something to get that knot in our stomach out. You know what I'm talking about if that's you that walked in here with that today, that there's just nothing you can do about it. It's eating away at you because you maybe can't even eat. Or we can gently, patiently remind ourselves who we are in Jesus, that we have an identity in him, that he loves us and that he is there with us and that he has gone through the pain that we are going through. He's done the hardest part because he's gone through the pain for us and now it's our part to surrender and to surrender to him and to surrender to that. In Matthew 27, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, Dying for you and for me, he says this. At about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The, the epitome of stress here, guys. He says this as he's dying, dying for you, dying for me, bearing our sin. We see his humanity here as the weight of everything that he has gone through is weighing on him more than we can imagine. He gets it. He gets us. He knows what it's like to be abandoned. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to feel the stress and anxiety to the nth degree. And when we feel that way, we can take comfort in the fact that we can turn to Jesus who knows all of those things, yet remained focused on the will of the Father. Because that's not the easiest thing to do, but that is the road to relief from anxiety and stress. The road to stop the stranglehold, to stop the division, and to come back to the unity that is in Jesus Christ. Jesus responded to his anxiousness with surrender when he said, it is finished in John 19. He's so, he completely surrendered everything. It is finished. And he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I'm done. I'm surrendering. I'm done. So the connection point for today is this. Anxiety either ends with surrender or struggle. Your anxiety is going to end in one of two places. Either 
in surrender or in struggle? And I know it's not even quite this simple. So this is almost a question for you or a charge. Where is your anxiety going to push you toward? Your stress and anxiety, is it going to is it going to push you to surrendering to Jesus and not walking through this alone? Or are you going to continue the struggle? A lot of times our anxiousness, our, our stress, it's driven by pain, whether that's mental or relational or physical, whatever it is. Maybe it's just a, a momentary experience, one thing that you've gone through that's just eaten at you. It can be a powerful force. And it can keep that anxiety going in your life. And you know what? That's exactly what the enemy wants. But Jesus, he showed up. He showed up and he's shown up for you now. He sat across from people at the dinner table that nobody else would. He wept at family funerals when people thought he probably shouldn't even have been there. He invited people to know him. And he taught them how to live in a dysfunctional world because his world was dysfunctional too. His words aren't just radical for the first century. His words are actually pretty radical for today as well. Because no one cares like that. No one cares like Jesus really did and does. He insisted that human dignity, every person matters. That's why it's one of our core values. All people matter to God and therefore matter to us. You know why that's one of our core values? Because it was one of Jesus' core values and is one of Jesus' core values. No one teaches like that. Jesus did. And that change that he ushered in, that should be reverberated through us today as the church into a world that needs to hear from Jesus and needs to know how much he understands us and gets us and wants to walk with us through whatever it is that we're going through. Will you bow your heads with me? I know some of us walked in here with a whole lot And so we can either continue to struggle with it or we can surrender and give it to him. If you need prayer, if you, if you need somebody to talk to, I know we've got people with yellow lanyards that are around that you could talk to and would love to pray with you. And this isn't easy. I understand that it's not really as simple as this or that, struggle or surrender, but in some ways that's where we need to begin because it's, the reality of it is it's a battle between the two. But this is a learned behavior that you don't have to go through alone. There is a community called the church that wants to walk right beside you through it as we follow Jesus together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you for the fact that you understand what we're going through. And Jesus, I pray that if there's someone in here, someone watching online, Lord, that they're, they're, just, they're, they're carrying a pile of stuff. Lord, remind them that you're there to help and walk through with them. Help us as the church to be there for people who are dealing with stress and anxiety on levels that only you understand. And Jesus, we're thankful that you do. If there's someone that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray today may be the day that, that they talk to someone and get that right, because that could be the first step in relief of some of the stress and anxiety that, that they're feeling. God, we love you. We thank you that you're here for us no matter what. We thank you that you understand and that you get us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.